Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Thank you. Always a great blessing to preach in Chandler. This is the first time I've been in one of your missions rallies, and we so appreciate being able to associate with you and to see the heartbeat of this congregation, which undoubtedly is because of the leadership that Pastor Campbell brings here uh, into this area and tremendous, tremendous testimonies through the years of God reaching forth from a group of people. I uh, brought uh, with me our uh, concert director, uh, Jesse, Morales, and I said, I can't remember exactly where, but uh, somewhere along here in an A&W root beer stand, this church started and uh, wasn't much bigger than this platform. And through the years, God has wonderfully blessed you, protected you, enlarged your vision, and uh, caused your heartbeat to spread abroad in the nations of the world. How many of you know that when you really believe in something, you'll do whatever you have to do to make it work? Give you an interesting story. We just last weekend did a uh, a crusade, which we do uh, annually in San Luis, Mexico. And we take uh, van loads of our young people down to expose them because that's one of the outstanding uh, close places where they can get a feel of a third world nation and see God powerfully move. And uh, so they're out uh, uh, preaching, uh, they're out witnessing, and we have a young man in our congregation, Brent Brooks, and so he's trying to witness and evangelize, and uh, and he can't speak Spanish, and so uh, he's frustrated. So finally he gets an idea, and he goes into this shop and finds one of these shopkeepers, and says, do you speak English? And uh, the, the man said, yes, I do. So he said, I'll give you $10 to come out here and help me witness and interpret here. So he took him outside and led 10 people to Jesus. <laughs> and then led the shopkeeper to Jesus. Amen. Whatever it takes. Can you say amen? I thought, what, what an ingenious uh, uh, what an ingenious uh, uh, idea is uh, if you can't speak it, why well, find an interpreter. And uh, if, you, if, you, if you want to get it done, do whatever it has to be to get it done. Amen. John's Gospel, chapter 4. When Moses was bringing the children of Israel to the promised land, and uh, he was uh, getting ready to finalize uh, his ministry, he Across the Jordan River in the Barrow Mountains is a mountain called Mount Pisgah. God took him up on that mountain and said to him, you look uh, west 
north, south, east, and all the land you see, I'm going to give you as a possession, as a nation. When we begin to see as God sees, it changes the dimensions and changes the dynamics of what takes place. There's an interesting illustration. You may have heard me preach somewhere and heard this. This is concerning Walt Disney. Walt Disney passed away uh, before Disney World in Orlando, Florida was built. And the opening dedication, 1971, five years after Walt's death, someone commented to Vance, uh, Mike Vance, rather, the creative director of Walt Disney Studios, isn't it too bad Walt didn't live to see this? He did see it, Vance replied. That's why it's here. When we begin to get a vision for what God will do, and we have a mode of seeing or, or a concept to see or a forming of a mental image. Someone told me an interesting story about an architect. This architect was uh, one of the famous architects. Who was, and an architect must see before they begin to draw and create. And uh, he had a, uh, an accident and this disturbed his inner, uh, inner mental processes. And he could no longer function as an architect because he could not see the concept in his mind anymore. So when we bring this into the kingdom of God and we begin to think about the issues of which we're involved in tonight, which is evangelism of the world's multitudes, we have to have a faith that is able to give a concept or a mode of seeing, and we have to be able to see as God sees. So as we take this classic story here, as a woman at Jacob's well, and as this woman is there, Jesus comes on the scene and engages her in conversation, and this forms the core of our text. As I pick it up in John chapter 4, verse 27, you can read all the whole story later. But let's read these verses. Verse 27 of John 4. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that Jesus talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to him, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to him, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say? There's still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, uh, for they're white already to harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may, reach, uh, may reap together, rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not uh, labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Uh, 
And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. I want to talk to you about possibilities tonight. First of all, I want to talk to you about the possibilities of cities. We have a wrong perception very, very frequently. We will see a city and uh, we begin to analyze that. We uh, begin to look at the uh, demographics of that, the races, uh, the people, the social class and so on. And uh, we miss God because God does not see as we see. We have to see as God sees. Can you say amen? When I came to Prescott, Arizona in 1970, I certainly did not see what God see. There were no wealthy people in that church. As a matter of fact, it had been destroyed because of a moral failure. And uh, as I came to the first service in there, there were seven members of my family, and there was a total attendance of 29 people. And I did not see what God saw because God was going to start a worldwide ministry. There were no high-octane people in that church. There were no wealthy people that were there. There were no high rollers there. There were just plain people, but God had a vision. And that vision was far greater than that little city, which at that time was 13,500 people. And so let's come to this city that Jesus comes to. The name of the city is Sychar, or it was Shechem, or Samaria. All these names have been used about this little city. And this little city was a religious and a moral disaster. The population of that city had been moved out when Babylon invaded and Salmanezer resettled that. And the name of that city was Sychar, which literally means drunken. So here we have a city, and that city was certainly not a city that you would think that God is going to choose. But you see, we don't see as God sees. And this is what we have to see Drunken because it was given that name because apparently it had that reputation of the drunken uh, citizens that are there. And not only that, but the, uh, the commentators say that uh, women of ill repute often frequented uh, this well, Jacob's well, uh, and were found there. Uh, and not only that, uh, but this was such a bad population in this area that the Jews normally did not go through this when they were traveling to Jerusalem. They crossed over uh, into Perea, province across the Jordan River, went down the Jordan River to Jericho, then crossed back over because the people who lived there were, uh, were deemed to be such wicked, immoral, and ungodly people that Jews felt they were defiled if they, trial, if they traveled through there. And added to that, there was an intense hostility because there had been a, a, an occasion when the temple was being built in Jerusalem, Herod's temple, that uh, the rebuilding the temple, that they offered their services, they wanted to get, get involved, but the Jews would not allow it because they felt 
file and it was an intense hostility and we pick this up in John 4 and uh, verse 9 then the woman of Samaria said to him how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink for me a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings uh, with the Samaritans uh, and so this is this uh, hostility boiling over and expressing it uh, but uh, but uh, God uh, had a different view of this city Jesus said, if you read the text, I must needs go through Samaria. And the reason he says that is that this is not the normal pattern of travel, but Jesus saw something that the Jews did not see, and he saw the possibilities of a city, and that city's name is Sychar, Samaria, or Shechem, and there's a spiritual compulsion to move in and bring an invasion of a spiritual dimension into that city. In the book of Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I'm with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And this is spoken, of course, of the city of Athens. So let's think for a moment about possibilities for a moment. The possibilities don't rest with our sight. They don't necessarily rest with our uh, feeling about or our uh, actually good, uh, uh, good uh, uh, vibes that we get. But this city of Samaria is the scene of a great revival. Listen to John chapter 4, verse 42. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So here now is a missionary spirit. A missionary spirit does not observe concerning the outward appeal or the pleasantries that might be. I, uh, I offered a man, a, a pastor in a church one time, and he told me, he said, uh, well, he said, I can't, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't pastor in the desert. I had a sunstroke one time, and, and so I just can't pastor uh, in the desert. Well, no doubt everybody sitting here, you've had some kind of unpleasant experience uh, that if you want to use that as an excuse, uh, you will. One missionary wrote these words, uh, and I love these words. Some want to dwell within the sound of church uh, or temple bell. I want to start a rescue shop uh, within a yard of hell. So here's the possibilities now of cities. I want to talk to you about the possibility of workers tonight. I didn't know that this is what the theme of your, uh, of your conference was until uh, this was mentioned here, Mission Possible. But uh, God must have known, and so he uh, dropped these little words in my heart tonight. The possibility of workers. Think with me for a moment about that, because uh, we too often have a worldly mindset. Now, the world, when uh, they're looking for uh, people to fill the slots that they want to fill uh, in every field. If it's in the sports field, they have scout, scouts. They scout out college football games. They go to bush leagues. Uh, 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 they go to, uh, uh, to uh, 
uh, high school, even high school. And what they're looking for is the worker that they feel they can have the possibility to uh, do an outstanding job. And they're recruiters is what they do is they recruit these people. This is true uh, in the, the sports world. They're at work right now looking everywhere for somebody who has an obscenely large body and not like you and I and to have, uh, have the, the, uh, the skills to do all these kinds of things. And that's why they don't enlist you and me in sports teams. This is true in the business world. They go to college graduates. They analyze. They're looking for uh, filling their uh, staff with the best and the brightest uh, and the most charismatic. Uh, and in both of these areas, they're often very bitterly disappointed uh, because somebody they thought is going to be a tremendous asset uh, is not an asset at all. Now, the kingdom of God is contrasted against that. Here, we're going to see a worker. And as that worker is there, uh, the Bible gives us uh, the analysis of her. This is a woman that God is going to use powerfully. She has had five husbands, and she's shacking up uh, with number six. That's not exactly what you would choose uh, to do a spiritual work. Can you say amen? Listen to me, what I'm saying. I'm talking about God tonight. In John 4, verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So think about that for a moment because this is a choice. When Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria, he already knew and he had an appointment in God's economy with this woman. And this is the instrument that he's going to touch and send into the harvest field to win that city. Let's think about this for a moment. There's a man, a missionary of great renown, William Booth, who stirred England to its very core. And he had a saying, and this saying was, go after souls and go after the worst. In this building, there are workers. In this building and outside this building in this area and in the mission fields of the world, there are workers, and God's not looking for the high dollar, high octane. He's looking for something that he can shape and form that have a heart that is responsive to his mercy. Imperfect workers have always been what God has used. Listen to Matthew 16 and verse 18. Here is Peter, and Jesus is talking to him. This is at Caesarea Philippi. And he's just asked him a question. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter answered back, said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus spoke back to him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Verjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he said these tremendous words, And I also say to you that you are Peter. And this is a word for rock. And on this rock, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And when he said that you're a rock and I'm going to build my church 
on this rock. He's not saying this because of Peter's personality. He's saying this because of the confession that Peter made that he was the Christ, uh, the son of the living God. And the Catholics, of course, say that, uh, uh, that, the, that uh, he was talking about Peter. He's the first pope, and that's a lie along with the rest of the lies that they have. This man that Jesus said, you're a rock and I'm going to build my church on that. This is a man and this man who's uh, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus is talking to is uh, the man that uh, Jesus said, Satan has uh, desired to have you and sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you uh, that you will survive. This is the man that a short time later denied the Lord Jesus at Caiaphas' household as they're bringing him to trial. This is the man that when Jesus said, I have to go up to Jerusalem and they're going to take me and I'm going to die, he said, not so, Lord. This is not the plan. That don't fit in with my... And Jesus turned to him and rebuked him so severely that said, get behind me, Satan. You do not uh, savor the things that uh, are of God, but the things are of men. This is the man that Jesus says, uh, I'm going to choose uh, to use you. You're going to be like a rock. There's a potent lesson uh, of history here. And that is that common people have always uh, built the kingdom of God. Our fellowship is a blue collar fellowship. I don't know if you know that. That means people who work at a job. Further than that, there's another little interesting thing. It just dawned on me as I was putting this sermon together. And let me read you a quote, if you'll bear with me for a moment. Uh, the Bible says that the common people heard him gladly. Listen to this quote. There have been three notable periods in the history of the extension of the Christian religion. Uh, the time of the martyrs, the time of the monks, and the time of the Methodists. In each of these periods, religion spread phenomenally, and the significance of all of these for our present purpose is that each of them was an era of lay activity. Now, listen to what I'm saying. Lay activity means they're not formally trained clergy, which is cursed to Christian church. Lay activity. The Christian church was begun by laymen. The apostles were all laymen. It has ever since owed its best growth to the cooperation of laymen. The monks were lay orders. The Methodists won their great victories by lay preaching. Not only that, but these laymen in every one of these three periods did their work in spite of the clergy, discouraged by the clergy, and detested by the clergy. The clergy means formally trained uh, seminarians uh, who have a degree of some kind. I want to tell you that I was reading that and preparing this and I thought about it. Our fellowship is a lay fellowship. I don't know how many uh, formerly trained pastors that we have. I went to Bible school and by a miracle of God survived it. I don't know that I can, uh, that I can name uh, 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 five people. All of our pastors are lay pastors. 
That means that they laid hold of God and began to witness just like Brent Brooks goes out and he's a part, he's in a, he's in an environment when he's there. He can't speak the language, but he says, I want to win somebody for Jesus. And an idea popped into his head. He goes in and finds somebody that can speak English and says, I'll pay you $10 if you come and interpret for me. Leads 10 people to Jesus. And when he's finished, leads the interpreter to Jesus. He's a lay preacher. Our fellowship uh, is a lay fellowship, uh, and that means you're qualified uh, as you're sitting there tonight. Uh, and the 12 disciples give to you and I a lesson. See, I'm talking about the possibility of workers tonight. We're not just here celebrating that we've got some missionaries out on the field. Don't kid yourself. We're here enlisting. <laughs> Are you listening to me? I'm not just up here uh, uh, giving you a sermon. I'm enlisting tonight. And how I'm enlisting is I'm pointing out to you something that the Holy Spirit will bear witness with you is that he can make you as a layman, a laywoman, uh, an evangelist for Jesus Christ. Uh, and some of you, he can shake you loose uh, from your comfortable place where you've uh, begun to uh, develop spiritual arteriosclerosis, uh, uh, hardening of the arteries. Uh, and he's uh, enlisting you and he's dealing with you tonight before this service is over. You can do something for God. Look at the 12 disciples. Listen to the list of these. Eight of these were fishermen. Not a very high uh, octane occupation. One was revolutionary. He wanted to overthrow the Roman government. One of them was a tax collector. He was a man that exploited people to make money and, uh, in, uh, in, in his greedy uh, occupation. One of them did have a lineage of royalty. One was from Hebron, the south of the country. But here is the workers that God used and he's still using today. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. The Bible says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty, and base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, uh, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Now think about this for a moment. Uh, as we were there uh, in uh, uh, San Luis, we do this every year. I know that you do uh, uh, various kinds of outreach and ministries. Uh, but uh, as we were there doing this crusade in the square in San Luis, Mexico, and uh, uh, as we preach the gospel to those people through an interpreter, I can't think of anything that is, is worse than trying to preach and try to listen to somebody preach through an interpreter. But here they are, hundreds of people, uh, and when the altar call is given, uh, they streaming to the altar. Hundreds of them come. First night, 175. Second night, over two. The third night over 200 uh, and that they got convert cards on these that sign convert cards.
cards. Uh, and this is just simple people that produce that. They're out there evangelizing. They're witnessing uh, both from that church and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Algodonas, I believe it is, and maybe a couple that are there. Witnessing lay people, moving people, bringing them in. Uh, and Jesus Christ, uh, this is a possibility uh, of workers tonight. Uh, God can use you. I want to talk to you in conclusion tonight uh, about the possibility that is in you. Think with me for a moment because you have to grasp this. Uh, Christianity is not so much what you are, it's what you can become. This is a glorious dimension of the message of the gospel of Christ is what you can become. Born again. What a wonderful term. Can you say, what a wonderful, born again means a new life. John, in the gospel of John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes by night. He says to Jesus, I know no man can do these miracles except God be with you. And Jesus doesn't even answer his question back. He says back to him again, Nicodemus, except a man is born again. He can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, I don't understand. You mean enter my mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus said, no, that's the, that's the birth that comes by water. But most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. A new life. When we talk about possibilities, of course, we're talking about seeing as God sees. We're talking about vision, actually, because without you having a vision, you're not going to rise to the possibility personally that God sees in you. A vision, someone has said, is, the, uh, is a, a picture that you have of an unrealized future. So let's go back to our text here because here's the record of a miracle. Jesus encounters this woman and as he encounters this woman, touches her heart and so changes her that he sends her out. The woman went out into the city and witnessed because she's now a partaker of the divine nature and something has changed, so changed that she persuades these people in this city to come out and see for themselves. John 4, 28 and 9. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So think about this for a moment. A woman who before they would not even associate with, none of the ladies of that city would come out with her because of her reputation, but she is so transformed that now they want to come out and see uh, this man uh, that has talked to her and this outcast is now a persuasive witness uh, for Jesus Christ. See, the Bible, the Bible this, morning, uh, this evening promises nothing short of a miracle. One thing that the Bible promises is your mind can be transformed. Listen to the scripture in Ephesians 4 and verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Think about that for a moment. We live, are living in a generation when people are nutty as a fruitcake. 
No, I'm serious. Nutty as a fruit creek. They have involved themselves in things that have twisted their minds, uh, worldviews that are totally the opposite of what God uh, would have them to be. Uh, but the Bible says uh, that our minds uh, can be transformed. Uh, Romans 4, uh, 23 uh, and Romans 12, 2. And so do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing uh, of your mind. Now, what does that mean? That means this uh, evening that you can be freed from your worst self. I don't have to ask you to give a testimony about that. But you know what that's all about. Freed from your worst self. Born again. Changed by the power of God. Mental and moral renovation. The Bible tells us about a man, his name is David. David miserably failed God, committed adultery, uh, conceived an illegitimate child, uh, and uh, finally uh, he uh, arranges to have a man die in the battle uh, in the worst part. Uh, and here's the guilt that's resting upon this man's heart and life. Think about that for a moment. For one year, he's left with that burden of the murder of another man, of the adultery with another man's wife, of the conception of an illegitimate child that dies because of that sin and the torment that he goes through. You can read some of that in the Psalm. One place is Psalm 51 verse 10, where in agony of conviction and burden and anguish, he cries out and says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Think about that tonight now, because we're talking about possibility. A possibility of a city, a possibility uh, of a worker, a possibility of you tonight being renewed in your innermost being, born again, a clean spirit within you and enabled to live for God. Listen to Ephesians 3 verse 20, some of the most glorious words in the entire Bible. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. What a wonderful glorious testimony of God's ability. Can you say amen? I'm talking about possibility. God reaching into you, reaching into you with that same power that he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, renovating your mind, giving you a new life, being born again, and having his power work in you to accomplish the purpose that he has ordained. And finally, this evening in the book of Titus chapter 3 verse 5 not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost so let's bring this now to a conclusion you can be the person that you always wanted to be you can be the mother 
that your children need tonight. You can be the father that you ought to be. You can be the husband that your wife needs. You can be the wife that your husband deserves. And that's the possibility of God transforming you and using you to reach the precious souls that he died for on Calvary's tree. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. No one moving around for the next several moments. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.